Alright, what up guys? This is DJ Talks again. We're going to be talking today about Yahoo Esports and how they recently announced a cancellation. My name is Johnny, somewhere either to my left or right. I don't remember which one it is. Uh, wh which side are you compared <laughs> to me? Um, I'm on your right, I think. Alright, on my right is my boy Dan. Say hi. Yeah. Hi, I remember Dan. You all can remember me. <laughs> <laughs> don't forget him. He's don't forget me. Don't forget me. Alright. Yeah. Yeah, we wanted to talk uh, a little bit about what happened with the Yahoo Esports announcement, how they got canceled, and then we wanted to do uh, a bit of an analysis and talking about esports content in general, specifically with League of Legends, because that's what Yahoo Esports did a lot of their content on, and then kind of studying the different types of content that Yahoo was doing, what others were doing that were kind of competing in the same market, mm -hmm. and then why we think they ultimately failed and were probably going to fail if not if not then when you know it was it was just a matter of time pretty much why yahoo esports i mean why other content is more popular than thing that yahoo esports did so or why they succeed at all yeah <laughs> so to start things off on june 16th i think the original announcement was on june 14th actually but then they still had a couple of videos that they're going to publish so then the official letter came out on mm -hmm. june 16th where Travis Gafford, the head of the esports media at Yahoo Esports, uh, just announced that they were going to no longer upload any more content to the Yahoo Esports website. And information got out that AOL um, and a AOL and Verizon bought Yahoo. So now they're merging into this company called Oath or something, and they wanted to focus a lot on Yahoo Sports as well as the esports um, division. They covered a lot of major titles from League to... Every major esport that you can think of, CSGO, HOTS, Dota, they even cover smaller games like PUBG and Rocket League, but that's all gone now. And this in involved laying off over 20 people with names that we're familiar with, like Travis Gafford, Kel Kelsey Moser, uh, a lot of those big name Yahoo people that you'll see during interviews or during the talk show, they all lost their jobs, basically. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, the primary, like, the biggest part of Yahoo Esports was the League of Legends scene, obviously. And I think scattered throughout, you had the CSGO and you had the uh, Melee. The smaller smaller titles weren't as big. They had some videos on it, but obviously they were way less popular than the League of Legends as well. So, I mean, the biggest names you will know is from League. And, and and there's a big problem too when you just look at the videos, the recent videos that Yahoo Esports is putting out, whether it was League or Smash or whatever, they had comparable view counts. And when you're comparing a game of the scale of League of Legends to something as small as Smash, I mean, it's a pretty big scene, but it's not nearly as big as League. And they have comparable view counts. There's a major problem there. So, but we're going to get a little more into that now. So first, I wanted to talk about some of the more popular league channels on youtube uh and we're talking specifically about youtube as a platform because that's where yahoo esports upload a lot of their content of course they uploaded everything to their own yahoo esports website but they also re-upload everything onto yahoo on the same day if not a later date the, the biggest big league of legends channel that i found was this the league of legends channel that right creates where they put all the champion spotlights on they put uh those pocket pick videos of like Double lifts, pocket pick is Lucian, Sneakies is Jin, um, Dardox is Lee Sin, those videos. Mm -hmm. They also have some documentaries by Riot about League of Legends and then just major game updates in general. Um, that has 8.1 million subscribers, but that number is very skewed because when you subscribe and you link it to your League account, uh, you get a free Alistar skin. So, I mean, that number is very inflated compared to what we see in the rest of the spectrum, which is closer to the 1 to 2 million uh, subscriber count. So right under the main League of Legends YouTube account is LOL Esports with a two with two point three million subscribers, which makes sense. They're streaming a lot of the LCS games on 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 YouTube gaming alongside Twitch, and they put a lot of the more popular content that you see on there with the more familiar faces like Jack, Kobe, Riv, Freak, all of them. You see series like this or that, the Penta, the their podcast, the Dive, things like that, and of course LCS uh, games and highlights. Uh, followed by that is this dude named Brofesco, who is like a super clickbaity type YouTuber that has all these titles in all caps, and he says all these things that are trying to get people's attention, talking about these broken mechanics or all these crazy <clears throat> things they can do in the game. He's actually got 1.6 million subscribers, which is more than, to my surprise, I'm a cutie pie, which 
a lot of his videos are more of a montage highlight style, but they they poke fun at the creator himself out of PewDiePie and make him look kind of dumb, but they, it's really entertaining to watch. He's at 1.3 million. So th those are kind of like the top channels, and they're floating around a 1 to 2 million outside of the main league uh, um, account. But a lot of the content creators that are talking more along the lines of what Yahoo Esports did, where it's like interviews, and they talk to pro players, or they do an analysis, or they maybe uh, talk predictions, things like that, they're much much smaller but when you look at the at the subscriber counts and the size of the channels there there's a huge discrepancy in the reach that they have versus the subscribers because they actually are all in the same range so now we're going to hop into specific league of legends talk shows that um that we wanted to compare to yahoo esports but specifically we're going to start talking about late night league um if you don't know late night league was an 11-episode talk show series hosted by Yahoo Esports by Mark Zimmerman and Travis Gafford around the time of the inception of Yahoo Esports. We're talking about that show specifically because that was kind of what got Yahoo Esports going off the ground. That was like one of the first things that came they came out with. And it failed. It just died after 11 weeks, and they had nothing. Uh, they have very inconsistent views, and then a lot of the content that they were rolling out afterwards didn't really hit, hit the ground running either. So we're going to compare their first attempt, their first major attempt at creating esports content to some of the other similar types of esports content that we've seen uh, from other people. Um, so the first one that Dan and I are going to talk about is Beyond the Rift by Amicutipi and Skara. This is an ongoing series that has been temporarily put on hold because Amicutipi and Skara are playing for Delta Fox, therefore they don't have time to run the show. But... Just some numbers to give you an idea of who of Beyond Rift and what they do. They have around 38,000 subscribers on the Beyond Gaming YouTube channel. They have about 45 episodes already released, and the average view count for each of them is around 120,000 views. Total, they have about five, a little over 5 million views, but they, they primarily focus on entertainment. They bring in pros, they talk about silly stuff, they talk about, they get the pros' perspectives on the meta sometimes, they do a little bit of analysis on games or teams, but a lot of it is very much entertainment-focused. Do you, do you want to hop in, Dan, and talk a little bit more about your impression of Beyond the Rift? You know, I have watched every single episode of Beyond the Rift. I really think it's, it's a very entertaining show, right? Um, I think the biggest thing that a lot of viewers like to watch is the fact that they have those pros that do go on to the show and they have um, someone like Golden Glue go on to the show. A lot of people are interested in, um, you know, kind of the back issue. Why his thoughts pretty much on the game and the um, kind of league drama and why certain things happen to him. Um, people may tune in just because they want to know, hey, what's going on with this guy? Um why has he failed so much in right. his he's career, been, right? He's been in pro league for so long. He went to Korean <clears throat> boot camp. He's been on a team that's kind mm -hmm. of failing now. It, it's a very polarizing. He's a very his career is very yeah. you know, up and down. Yeah. So I feel like that's one. Um, plus, you have the huge name of I'm a cutie pie and Scara, who um, you know one of some of the biggest League of Legends streamers, uh, oldest league players. Uh, so. You have that popularity, and I think it's just his personality itself draws in a lot of different people. You know, it's kind of a laid-back yeah. attitude where it's like he's a very trolly kind of guy. Uh, he likes to have fun. Uh, you know, when he does scream, it's hilarious. Uh, yeah. Scar! <laughs> and then, like, just seeing I'm if I interact with these pros, I think that in itself is a very appealing reason to watch a show in general. Mm -hmm. Like, they brought on Double Lift. I think that was one of their most viewed shows and viewed episodes because it's like mm -hmm. you get to watch I'm a Cutie Pie who claims to be the best ADC in North America versus Double Lift, who's actually performing at an LCS level, at, at the highest LCS level. Um, how they interact with each other and they take jabs at each other. They actually, I think in that episode, they actually made each other compliment one another. So I thought that was <laughs> at like, the end of it, yeah. Pretty fun <laughs> to watch, yeah. So. so. It, yeah, overall, I think it's just a very entertaining show for a lot of people to watch. Um, it's not too long. It's a very solid baseline, like, uh, kind of just pure entertainment sake. You get a little bit of here or there kind of, uh, you know, analysis, but it's not really too serious into it, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it's more lighthearted. 
fun kind of show. So Yeah. So now moving on to a different type of show, we're gonna talk a little bit about summoning insight, which is a show that is technically ongoing because they still have episodes every now and then. Uh they as in Thorin and Monte Cristo. They don't put as many episodes out as often as they used to because Thorin is very heavily invested in CSGO now and Monte Cristo is very heavily invested in Overwatch. But they both were pretty invested in League back then, which is where a lot of the popularity came from. Now, to put things in perspective, I said that Beyond Gaming has roughly 38,000 subscribers and cumulative views of about 5.4 million. Now, Summoning Insight only has 14,000 more subscribers, so they're sitting a little over 52. But the cumulative views are almost double Beyond the Rifts at 9 million. Now, I do want to say that they, their show's been going a lot longer. They've had a lot more goes, as well. Yeah, and they have a lot more episodes. But it's hard, it was harder to get an average because a lot of the shows that are mixed in include CSGO shows um, and Overwatch shows, as well as a show called Inside on Esports, which is a broader show you know it's it's a more general but summoning insight is this is the league specific talk show now this show is very different from what we talked about in beyond the rift where thorin and monte cristo are very critical about the things that they talk about they have they have a wide fact pool that they generally make their claims off of and because of that they and because they've been so invested in the esports scene for I think Thorin says he's been around for at least 14 years now. Monte Cristo's mm-hmm. been around for since the inception of League of Legends. Um, if, mem- if my memory serves, I'm pretty sure that's correct. Um, they they have very strong opinions about what goes on in the League of Legends scene, or like when they talk about players and teams' performance and things like that. So because of that, they have very long-form discussions on topics. Their shows are also a lot longer than Beyond the Rift. Beyond the Rift's show average is between an hour and an hour and a half. Whereas Summit Insight, I've seen, I think it's like anywhere between two and four hours. Two to, yeah, two to, if you have that huge world's prediction bonanza where uh, they bring in like six different people onto one show, it's five hours long. So Yeah, it, it gets uh. really long. But they get to have <laughs> these long-form discussions on different topics. <laughs> and... They, they are very, very adamant about their opinions on certain things. Some of the opinions are more popular than others, but it also creates this really interesting atmosphere where, you know, some of them, some of the, uh, I think, Dan, you can talk a little more about this, but uh, Thorin and Monte Cristo will sometimes create controversy by their opinions. You want to go a little more in depth? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing about Thorin and Monte is the controversy that they bring upon. They, they, they talk about so many different things. Um, it's still, it's somewhat... I wouldn't say it's unfiltered, but it's definitely uh, very, like, they they kind of say what they think. Um, Thorin has been doing this a long time, so um, his questioning and his thought behind what he's going to do with this show and the way he can kind of improvise on the spot um, <laughs> and some of his random little stories that he has all kind of introduce this summoning insight and i think the biggest difference um he was one of the first to do something like this right it's something like a very uh the talk show um you know kind of get the full analysis i think it's very different and their personalities kind of mesh well together right um monte cristo is very analytical he is like very intelligent in the way he speaks. He kind of kind of watches what he says as well. Um, and then Thorin's kind of the more brash kind of, you know, just gung-ho go. But he's also very intelligent in the, what his questioning. All right, so he can bring out the best of Monte Cristo, uh, Monte Cristo's analysis pretty much. And then obviously you have a crap ton of just uh, pros, uh, coaches, uh, league um, team owners, team owners, league like league related people, um, very big popular names in the scene to actually come on and kind of discuss the whole uh, their analysis and their thoughts on how their views are, and um, I think. In my opinion, the the way the reason why I was so interested in Summoning Insight was because of Thorn and Monty. Um, the pros were a huge plus, a huge plus. Those were a lot more interesting as well. But 
Monte Cristo's analysis in general, you don't have too many of those types of people who create their own content. You have very few people who are as intelligent as, like, or who knows as much as Monty used to because he watched every single scene. So he had the whole kind of worldwide view of League of Legends. Obviously, he was more so you know connected to the league in the league scene in korea um and obviously he, he had a little bit more bias towards korean esports or korean league of legends but at the same time pretty much he's always right about korea's because korea still continues to be the best um but yeah overall i just think the thorn monty kind of their their dynamic together just worked very well and they were one of the first people to actually come up with some type of this this type of idea so um, plus the controversy whenever they say something people literally he even says this in his show people literally watch that watch the entire show just to clip a section of him and monty potentially saying something incorrect just to watch this entire uh, entire show go back to this show and just say hi you guys were wrong so they had both haters like they were opposite spectrums you either had people who really love them or you had people who really hated them but that was that's what made it so great so yeah. it's kind of like that uh famous um jack sparrow line from Pirates of caribbean like you love me or hate me but you have heard of me or something like that you know what i'm talking about okay yeah yeah where he's like you you all hate me but you have heard of me so right right yeah at least people know who they are because <laughs> they hate them you, you got to know who they are to hate them yeah, yeah definitely um, but then from that th there has been a new more analytical talk show specific to the NALCS created by Mark Zimmerman and Skara uh, Mark Zimmerman I mentioned was previously on late night league with Yahoo Esports before he left and Skara is also the other guy that runs Beyond the Rift they used to call it uh, prime, prime League Time, I think, but now it's the greatest post league, league time. talk show. Oh, post, post League, league time. time. There it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And now it's the greatest league talk show where after every Saturday and Sunday of NALCS, Mark Z and Skara sit on a couch, they talk into a camera, and they just talk about everything they think about what's going on in LCS. They go pretty deep into things. Um, shows usually last about an hour and a half to two and a half hours. They're pretty new, so the subscriber count is pre pretty low. Uh, only sitting at about mm -hmm. 6.7 thousand subscribers. And their cumulative views on their videos is almost 200,000, not quite there yet. But um, but they did start off, because they didn't have their own YouTube channel, they started off on Scar's channel. So a lot of the views that they had for last season is on U uh, is on Scar's channel. So like they, they ported them into this new YouTube channel, but... Um, obviously, nobody's going to watch, kind of rewatch the same video. So uh, I believe those had about 100, uh, uh, sorry, uh, 30K views or something around that. So, but, so each. we've kind of been talking a little bit about how Beyond the Rift is very entertainment focused and Amicuity Pie is a really big reason why that's a thing. Mm -hmm. uh, we talked in some of the inside about how uh, Monty Crystal and Thorne's very, very adamant feelings about their opinions is also where a lot of the entertainment value comes from. So for Greatest League Talk Show, what's really interesting is that Mark Zimmerman, former head coach of Team Liquid, and Skara, who is just known in the community for ha having once had a very analytical streak, he still does, mm -hmm. and he does a lot of stuff like he's known for his patch previews, he talks a lot about what he does in-game and explains to viewers what he's doing and why he does them, and that's kind of how he got his reputation. Um, and because they are very well respected in the league community as people who understand the game very well and have brains to the point where uh, they are seen pretty often on Riot's, uh, Riot's um, breakdown desk where they do uh, an analysis of games and stuff, they are known for how well they understand the game. And that's their, their strength in the show. And we're talking a little bit about the strengths of each show, and that's going to play into why we think or why, why, why yeah, why we think uh late night league was a failure and then how that eventually led to Yahoo esports failing so here, here are some really interesting numbers now um for late night league the 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 youtube channel i don't know how many subscribers it had at the time of its inception 
but like, but Yahoo Esports YouTube channel now has about fifty thousand subscribers, on par with Summoning Insight by Throwing Monte Cristo, and, and just a little over Beyond the Rift. But their cumulative views for the eleven episodes that they had only set a little over a hundred thousand views, but they were also very inconsistent. We had a, I think the, the lowest viewed episode was only five, only at five thousand views, and the highest had like twenty four thousand. Um, and, and and the show was very short as well. It was only thirty minutes long, as opposed to these other shows that we've been talking about that were like hours long. Hello. And they do have some updates on everybody, stuff, and they have a couple of pros come in and talk about stuff. But the biggest problem is that they don't have any major strength to play off of. The show was run by Mark Z and Travis Gafford, but a lot of Travis's career success has become from the launch of Doublelift in, eventually into the pro scene and then all of his interviews with pro players. But without the pro players, there are no interviews and then Travis doesn't have as much value as a journalist. And then Mark Z eventually left. But at the time, he wasn't as popular because he wasn't, really on a right analyst desk yet and he had just left team liquid and people were still getting to know who he was but there was no real competitive advantage right beyond a rift has ami cutie pie funny as hell interacting with pros says really dumb stuff but it's really entertaining to watch you can do it for an hour mm -hmm. and then you can roll with it so many insight you have throwing in monte cristo with this wide fact pool and then they have all these opinions that a ton of people want to harp them on and they either, like like Dan said, they love him or hate him. And we see that a lot based on Reddit too, and, and how they respond to them. Greatest League talk show, you have Mark Z and Scar talking very deeply about their the about gameplay of the game, about yeah. pros and about teams. They do power rankings every week. It's 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 literally listening to smart people talk about the game the way a lot of people talk about man tsm sucks they did this and that or man cloud nine you know, looks really bad or why does team envy look so good now you know mm -hmm. they talk about these things that a lot of people generally don't have the knowledge to talk about but then when you look at late night league they're kind of dabbling in a little bit of everything but they don't really have anything to play off of they're not playing they weren't playing on any of their strengths mm -hmm. Um, they did have some cool guests like Medios and Darshan, but then some of their other guests were much less interesting. Like they brought in Yuna, based Yuna, the at the time the the eighty carry sub for CLG, mm -hmm. who no one knew about at the time. Uh, like very few people knew about him. They brought in Crumbs, who was only known for his profit thing at Worlds, uh, but at the same time he wasn't like he still wasn't really that popular of a guy. Um, you have Paul Belter, who, if you watch that episode, was just really, he, he was very uncomfortable with the camera. He didn't really know how to interact with Travis and Mark. And, and then I think the most confusing guest that I saw them bring in was David Lim, who was the Team Liquid head coach. I think he may have taken Mark Z's job. I didn't look into that. I should have. But you have these names that, like, most people don't really know about or they, you know, they don't have huge fan bases. You don't really know too much about them. Paul Belter was an exception, but he was also very, he was just very uncomfortable on camera. So then you have the situation where late night league conceptually is a really good idea, but it wasn't actually a late night show because they aired it at 3 PM central. And then it, it was, I don't know. It you just see, didn't really have anything going. You, you got to chime in, Dan. Help the me. biggest thing with late night league, I think is the fact that, they were so restricted in kind of how they can make their content, right? They Yahoo Esports obviously has like filters on what they can say, what they can do. Um, it's and it's more professionally done, right? So if you do have pros or if you do have people on there, unless you rehearse consistently. Um, you're not going to have those pros be very comfortable with the set itself, right? All the other ones that you have right now, the Greatest League Talk Show, or even the ones that do bring on um, uh, pros like Summoning Insight or Beyond the Rift, they're doing it from their house. They're doing it from uh, over a webcam. They don't have to be in person. They don't have to do that kind of thing. So um, that's a huge factor that played into the fact that, like, there's so much restriction as well as you can't rehearse with these pros. You just happen to get them, and you're lucky to get them. And obviously they had to do sound checks and this and this and this, and probably it's like an actual set of a news show it or was something. A set. They built right. a set for the show, yeah. It's some of the shitty set, set. Let's be real there. <laughs> it, was it was a set. It was a set. 
There you go. Yeah. So the biggest thing that, yeah, it was just, I think the, it was just too new. Pros then are too uncomfortable with actually sitting on the desk for a full show. Um, rather than just comfortably being at home, answering some questions and talking kind of, and then also the filter behind what they can say and how they can say it. So, so I agree that the filter that they have is probably a problem. You know, if you're on Yahoo Esports, there are probably certain things you can and can't say. Whereas, like, mm-hmm. if you're sitting in front of a webcam at home with I'm a cutie over here and Scar over there on the screen, you could probably say whatever you want and they'll roll with it and laugh, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good point to bring up. I do think that it's that some of the pros are totally fine being in a set. Like Darshan, when he went into the show, he's saying in a camera and that got like a ton of oh, yeah, stuff. Yeah. They even brought in Skara uh, to mm-hmm. the show. Uh, they brought Shocks in. They had these people that are already comfortable in front of a camera. So maybe it was just some of the guests, not all of them. But I think you really have a really good point about the production quality. It was very, it was pretty professional. It was very well done. It was clean. It was neat. The transitions were good. The sound was pretty good. And then you look at these other shows that were literally like just like webcam, couch, roll. You know, it's like it makes you realize that these big successful shows, it's the content speaking for itself as opposed to the quality of the production even when they have production errors or they're monkeys about it Mm -hmm. um at least the content in itself is enjoyable that people will will consume it and they'll enjoy it on any medium as opposed to yahoo esports which took the kind of riot lcs style approach where they tried to make the production quality really good to get people going but I mean, when Riot is the sole, you know, runner of the entire professional League of Legends scene, they have a few advantages that Yahoo Esports doesn't, right? So I think that mm-hmm. you bring up a really good point that that could have been a huge downfall that they maybe should have invested a little less in the production, even though it was already kind of like as low uh, and professional. Yeah, as you can get. yeah. Mm-hmm. But and then more about the content itself, right? Um, and that's that's uh, yeah, I definitely agree with you there. Um, there were a lot of comfortable people as well who actually came onto the show. Were comfortable with the um, overall set itself. It's still less comfort for people in general, uh, even if they can kind of play it off as like, "Yeah, we're really good on, on camera," but being at home at your computer, you know, kind of talking into a webcam is so much more comfortable and so much less stress, so much less like formalities basically yeah, yeah behind yeah, everything yeah, yeah, so yeah that's that's where i can see like late night league was a little off so so now moving on to how yahoo decides to try to like change that you saw after late night league you, you, uh, yahoo esports tried to bring on a couple of different other types of talk shows uh other segments they would do a lot more interviews with pros but then when you look I found something really interesting. When you look at the top 11 videos, and I'll explain why I chose 11 in a bit, but when you look at the top 11 videos on the Yahoo Esports channel, five of them feature Doublelift in the name of the video or mm-hmm. the uh, the thumbnail. The reason why I said 11, though, is because the number one video is just some Terry Crews mock audition for an Overwatch voiceover or something. Which everybody... Has been waiting for forever. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but like that's not actual like that's not along the lines of the esports yeah, content that definitely. Yahoo Esports was like aiming for. Mm-hmm. But like, if five of your top videos include double lifting them to get like two or three hundred thousand views, obviously the Travis has tried taking advantage of his network. Makes total sense. I know that I think the third or fourth most viewed video on that channel to to date um, was one by Pokemon that that really popular diamond. Uh, female streamer that's been getting a lot of, t- of attention in, in recently on YouTube and on Twitch and stuff. Um, but like, and then, and then I think the third most watched video was fucking LaCrit from uh, Albus Knox Luna mm-hmm. quoting I'm a cutie pie. Yeah. And that's like the third most, most popular video. Like there's something wrong. I, I mean, I don't know. And then you're looking at some of the more recent videos just like by sort of by date. Mm-hmm. Some of the league videos only have like maybe 900 views, 700 views, 1,200 views. There's something going on. And I think it, I really think that it goes back to this competitive advantage that they have. When they want to do interviews and interactions with pro players, LCS and Riot Games is already doing that with LLO Esports. And then 
if you want to see some like funny interactions with pros, watch Beyond the Rift. I mean, they, like, I mean, they stopped recently, but you can still get that. Um, when you look at some of the more uh, analytical segments, if you really want someone smart, you're gonna go to like people will go to Thor and Monte Cristo if they if they want to hear something really polarizing or if they want to hear like a really strong opinion about something backed up with like tons of facts. Um, if you want any LCS specific, which a lot of the consumers that we're talking about in the West are, mm-hmm. be Mark Z Scar with greatest thing talks show something that they said that they agree with, or something that shows up on Reddit, right? I really don't feel like Yahoo Esports had any strengths to play off of. They didn't really have anything that they said. This is something that we can really take advantage of that we're really good at. I mean, roll with it. I feel like Skara, I mean, Kitty Pie, Thorin, all of them that we've been talking about, they've been really good at identifying their strengths and are rolling with them. But I don't think Yahoo Esports ever found that groove. What do you think, Dan? Um, yeah, the, uh, just to add something else, the other talk show that they uh, kind of added was the League Weekly. Um, kind of like a round circle, round table, kind of circle of... Uh, what was it? Mark Z- Mark Zimmerman, Travis Gafford, Kelsey Moser, and Emily Rand. Um, good good set of people, but very boring analysis. There wasn't much like if you, it is very good analysis, but I think that there was something missing, and I feel like. It was because of the fact, I'm going to bring this back up, the Yahoo Esports kind of um, restrictions on what they can do and the professionalism, and they have to act in a certain way because it's Yahoo Esports, right? They want to present themselves in a way that's very professional, and I feel like that is what holds some people back, where if you can kind of let them unchain a little bit, you can actually show their personality, and that's the biggest thing. Mark Zimmerman has a huge personality. Um, he, you know, he's very out. I feel like he's pretty outspoken in a lot of different things. Um, he is very strong in what his analysis is. And um, then you have Kelsey Moser, who's more so of that, like, pure brain and analysis kind of person, right? She... Um, yeah, you can you kind of play off of that. Emily Rand, uh, also a very intelligent um, overall. I think now she's doing NA primarily, um, and then Travis Gafford's kind of just there to host it. So, so it, it almost sounds like you're talking about like the, the Yahoo Esports crew had a lot of brains <laughs> and they knew what they were talking about, but right. it was just boring to watch because there is no entertainment value. They from couldn't show their personality as much as they could if it was less if it was not in yahoo esports right so right now um also another thing i probably think is because league has a lot of young uh, young audience right It's, it's a pretty young audience now these types of things that yahoo esports may bring up things like um the LCS and how, like, the, kind of the business side of the LCS, uh, you know, franchising, all of this stuff. Yeah, there are a lot of people who have grown up with League and are in their mid-20s, but at the same time, they're also very young audience as well. And I don't feel like a lot of the young audience really cares too much for um, all of that, like the business side of things, right? That's why they need... At least the younger audience needs entertainment. They need something loud, something out there, something that can draw their attention rather than just people talking kind of about this business side of everything and um, how everything may turn out and the future and all of that. Um, that's, I f- that is one thing that I think Yahoo Esports um, didn't target the correct audience as well so so then you talked a lot about a lot about attention and now when you think about league of legends lol esports gets a lot of attention they draw a lot of views and they mm-hmm. and they put spotlights and they give more attention to specific players over others how much of yahoo esports failure do you think is attributed to the fact that none of the major names or talent that was working with them was like 
fostered by Riot or promoted by Riot. And what I mean by that is you have Scar and Pie, who were former LCS pros. Mm-hmm. You have Mark Z, who was once involved with LCS and now is on the analyst desk, where he's literally seen every week. You have Thorin, who uh, is just a huge voice and is associated with Monte Cristo, who was known as the Korean League expert, casted Worlds a couple times, and is well known because of his promotion through right there. Mm-hmm. How much do you think, how, what kind of influence do you think that that has had on why Yahoo Sports didn't succeed? Because, like, do you think that because Riot didn't, like, because they have no one on the team that was actually directly working with Riot or had any, like, camera time with, on, on NALCS1 or something that this was going to eventually happen? What are your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I mean, that's a huge factor. Uh, you have Kelsey, you have Emily, you have um, other people who haven't really been seen as well. Yeah, um, none of them are like ever seen on stream. You don't hear their names a lot. You know, right. not who you think of when you think about League of Legends. Really. Oh, definitely. Kelsey and Emily are more so, they write a lot of great articles, but you don't really see them as a entertainer, as a person who, like, they can be brought on for some analysis sake, but they're never the main front runner. Travis has never been a huge personality without the pros themselves. The interviews that he does depends on the pros that he uh, they have. Uh, uh, Mark Z is not big enough, in my opinion. Yes, he's growing right now, and he has a lot of growth uh, in the past uh, probably year or two. Um, but yeah, they they're huge, um, like League Weekly the or the. Um, uh the late night league didn't bring on um noteworthy pros i think that's a huge deal people don't care about as much about what your what these no name thoughts are right i guess you can consider them no name compared to what the pros are and then right. and, and you and you mentioned that the target audience of a lot of the league content is for like kids in their mm-hmm. teens to like early mid 20s these guys are really young and riot um, they don't necessarily have a monopoly on the entertainment part of League. At least, I w- maybe they have one on the competitive part. I mean, like I mentioned that guy before, like Bro Fesco, and then like other YouTubers that do a lot of clickbaity type, uh, just purely entertainment style videos. They're not doing very analytical stuff. They don't bring on pros and talk about them or with them. I mean, you'll have other channels that are just ripping stuff off of pro streams and then, like, throwing them in a montage to roll with, mm-hmm. right? But then, like, when you talk about stuff like, you know, featuring pros, like, creating stuff to talk about with League of Legends, uh, competitive, and things like that, I think Riot just has so much power in that content that, like, like people between the ages of like, you and I and, like, even younger or older than us are very spoiled by just what – the quality of what Riot offers, the access to resources that they have because they literally can like have all this power over all these pros. And those are just things that Yahoo doesn't have. Yeah. Um, I honestly actually don't think Riot has too much to do with any of the content specifically. It's more so the people and the pros that create those kind of uh, more watched shows. So it's almost advantageous. advantageous to have a pro or really well-named yes. player or current player as a name instead of... Yes. So if you see it, um, I took a look at some of the numbers right here. Uh, Late Night League shocks. The, the One of the shows that they had shocks on was one of their highest viewed, 78,000 views on that one uh, show. Then you have other pros like uh, Skara, who had 24,000 on theirs. You had someone like Mirios, who was it's still not yeah, still not great, but it was a 12,000. Then you obviously had the lower ones, which was like Yuna, who had 8,000 views. Um, and, I mean, you had Pobelter, who had 20,000 views. So these, like, yeah, the pros bring something because people watch them. People care about the drama. People care about the people, the players. Um in league whereas think about yeah i mean if you think about any talk show you care about the players and not about the people in the background pretty much 
So then going back to the point that you made earlier about how Yahoo Esports wanted something more professional and they, they couldn't really, you know, post stuff that was, um, that was, that showed a little more personality. That's kind of what you get with the more like I'm a cutie pie style of 15 minute video mm-hmm. of him, like trolling, being himself, like a montage mm-hmm. style thing with like clickbaity thumbnails and head and, and titles and stuff. You can't really do that if you're Yahoo Esports, can you? You know, uh, I feel like you are still able to just i i don't know too much about the scene itself and how uh media really works behind the scene but i feel like if you lay off on more so of the restrictions um let them have somewhat of their own fun right if yahoo esports were were was to be able to bring on something like a beyond the rift kind of style where they do have top pros or top anal- an- analysts or um, anything like that who can kind of have a fun and enjoyable time almost. Like they they're ha- they look like they're having fun rather than just trying to, you know, analyze everything and try to predict the future and all of this stuff. I feel like, I feel like Yahoo Esports could have done something like that. Um, and then obviously I feel like Yahoo Esports because of their production could not get as many pros to commit the time that was needed to, I feel like they had to do some type of rehearsal. There must've been some type of rehearsal with Yahoo esports. So um, there are certain pros who are able to maybe sit in on like a sound check or this or that, but um, not a lot, right? If, if they brought in double lift, that would have been a huge show as well. Um, and I feel like in order for them, they didn't start off well. Let's, let's just talk about that. I feel like they didn't start off well. You need to brand yourself and do as much publicity as possible so your first couple of shows can be to bring on the big-name pros and the big-name people so you can gain some traction. And once you gain that traction, what keeps you there is the is the just the the personalities of each host or hostess or whoever it is um so i feel like the with the way they did it um probably wasn't uh maybe needed something more of a kick um so then let's say that in an imaginary scenario the late night league started as mark z travis and double lift, three hosts, mm-hmm. and they're all running the show. What do you imagine would have happened if if that was how they rolled with every show? Uh, We're just talking about an imaginary scenario here where double lift is one of the feature names on there that is there for like every show. All right. Um, the first couple of shows would be very good. The first couple of shows would be very good. Then it depends on how they interact. In my opinion, Travis is kind of boring. He doesn't. It doesn't seem like he has much of a huge personality himself. It's more so kind of let's... It doesn't look like he's always enjoying himself as much. In my opinion, right? Um, I feel like you need somebody more dynamic, hosting a show um so if like you, thorin or i'm a cutie pie oh right? yeah you need <laughs> you need a like it doesn't matter um i feel like yeah i one of the biggest things is a host too and their personality so if you have double lift there and if you can continue to have him as a big personality um as in not just like him in the scene personality his own personality wise um continue to uh, say certain controversial things and kind of you know do that old style double lift where he does do some of that trash talking kind of um and then continue that for the a good chunk of the show like good chunk of shows um because late night league yes they had some popular names in the beginning but it wasn't consistent right they didn't have consistent people um, coming in when they bring in a Yuna and they bring in nothing and nobody. And then all of a sudden people start caring less because it wasn't as interesting. And then they forget about it. So, yeah, continuously having these 
pros and once you gain that traction after a, a good period of time then um i think they just needed to have a niche too like something that makes them interesting um it just the personalities just didn't mesh well probably maybe that's maybe that's why um that's why i didn't enjoy it because it was more too, it just looked too professional in my opinion it just looked too professionally done and it wasn't very entertaining because of a good portion because of that too so will you bring it back to why do we think they failed? You talked a lot about their professionalism. You talked a lot about the attention that you want to hold on to with these uh, young, fickle league fans. Mm -hmm. And then, and then something I want to point out is that in almost every department of their content, there's someone else out there that's doing it better than them, and they weren't like, the best at any one particular thing. Yeah. And I think that that's like I, I've been emphasizing that a lot. I really think that you have to identify your strength and roll with it. Mm -hmm. And Travis's greatest strength was talking to other pros, but he, it, it didn't even seem like they could take advantage of that to continue you keeping Yahoo Esports alive. And then, like, that's only with League of Legends, right? No, I don't think a lot of people know who Travis Gafford is in the freaking Overwatch scene or the CSGO scene. Mm -hmm. these, aren't, these aren't groups of people that are familiar with this kind of guy. Oh, yeah. So you think about the interviews. Uh, you know, they were okay. Sometimes they had this chick named Olive, uh, Avali May. I mean, she was a pretty nice girl, but she a lot of people watched the interviews of for league because travis was like kind of fun to talk to when he was talking to a league pro but then no one really knows who it is uh, uh, oh yeah avali i said avali avali me um yeah sorry if you ever watched this i messed up your name but <laughs> um she didn't have the same appeal that a lot of people would watch travis's interviews for Mm -hmm. and, and it's just that people didn't know her that personality that you were talking about it, i feel like if she spent a little more time and uh developing yeah but i mean that that's also really hard to say right you can't just blame her for not developing oh yeah it's mm -hmm. probably her way of doing that with her career oh yeah and you think about the i think one thing that was also really annoying is that when you clicked on a yahoo esports type uh interview or post on reddit a lot of times it will link to the yahoo esports website and most people don't want to watch that uh, on the Yahoo Sports website because they have their own media player and it's not on YouTube. Generally, it's not mobile friendly. Mm -hmm. It takes a little longer to load. People just want to watch stuff on YouTube. The, even now, like when you have a Twitch clip, there's always almost always a YouTube link. To, right. right? They have the exact same clip because people just prefer YouTube. It's their main platform to consume videos, media, things like that. Written publications. You talked a lot about Emily Rand um, and, uh, and then there are also other authors that will publish work on Yahoo Esports. But then Slingshot Esports, they're really good at publishing very, very well-known articles with big names. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they've done how many on Faker? And those have gotten, I'm sure, tons mm -hmm. of attention. Um, and they, they interview a lot of pros there too. Even ESPN, Jacob Wolf with his sources, blah, 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 about a mm -hmm. moving or some finance thing. I hate that guy, but he's so popular because I'm sure there are a lot of people that hate him, but there are a lot of people that like him and they want to know when his sources can tell him something that's really interesting, he, they just do it better than Yahoo Esports. They don't, Yahoo Esports didn't really offer anything in the publication department. Right. Everyone had their own specific style and specific thing. Travis initially started off with interviews, right? He, he, he was good at the interviews and he was good at pulling out the personality of the professional player. Like he had the interviews who, where he's like, like, the most popular ones with double if where he can actually start talking about kind of double if's life right double if's personal life not even just like you know anything's super secret or anything but more so you know what what is he doing or what kind of vacations are he, is he taking or kind of you know that was his niche but then all of a sudden he goes into this yahoo esports world and you know he doesn't do that anymore obviously with the interviews um but he they didn't play to the strength of the host, I think. And then right? What's also really interesting is that the score esports and blitz esports have been emerging in the esports scene lately. And blitz specifically are really, they're really good at their simple setup, dark lit room with a really good microphone. So then the pros are just talking almost the entire time, if not the entire time. Mm -hmm. And that's like, I mean, you talked a lot about how the professional setup of a set and looking like really legit and stuff was kind of boring.
but then when you have these blitz esports interviews where like a pro is just talking about very very specific things and it's just their voice but it's a very clear sound of their voice that's a different type of professional almost that's like mm -hmm. that's really appealing it's really appealing and and if they're doing that better than an, an interview vet Travis Gafford, the esports, you know, mm -hmm. interviewer himself, then there's something wrong, right? Right, definitely. Um, yeah, they're they're two different. Yes, Blitz esports came up, and the Score esports. The Score esports started moving away from kind of more serious topics, and I feel like, yeah, they, they started fun stuff now. Um, fun clickbaity kind of titles where they yeah. can. Uh, like I heard, like they're doing the top five most attractive professional league players or this and like the yeah. clickbaity kind of titles to draw so kind of moving yeah. away from the professional interview right which is good like they that's great for them you know they're doing that and it's successful and it's working for them but there's um, also a thing where we were talking about Avali may and how she was kind of developing a career mm -hmm. there's there's that chick that was doing a lot of score esports interviews lisa doan or something mm -hmm. i think something that she had that was really unique was that her interviews are pretty entertaining to watch because she was a lot more vibrant in the discussion and she had a lot more energy and i think that i don't think that avali is bad at that but she was kind of developing that oh yeah I think that she's still very new she was very new and it's it's hard to blame her for that but it's it, i think it's easier to to say that yahoo esports should have had while they're developing talent to already have established talent kind of someone like lisa doan who is i think that's her, her name um where she can draw attention mm -hmm. and get the audience excited about you know the way she interacts with a pro player mm -hmm. yeah so and, that's and why scar was also part of the score esports for a while but i mean that's a totally different thing yeah so i mean a lot of different things that came into play and they just didn't take advantage of their personalities or they didn't develop a style for themselves they were they might have taken on a little bit too much probably before yeah. they developed one specific style and started branching off of that. Um, whereas, as you can tell, like you said, Blitz Esports came in straight with that one specific style where it's one quiet room, questions, and like very serious toned, like closed room, one on one interview. It was a very intimate feeling. Like yes. Watching the video, it's almost like you're talking to that pro. You can hear exactly. the crisp mm -hmm. sound. And another thing is that I think you, you bring up a really, really good point. Yahoo Esports was like jumping into a bunch of different things and trying out all mm -hmm. the different content, which honestly, I don't think there's anything wrong with that because right. it means that they can test the water and see what works and what doesn't. But something that the Blitz Esports did that was really, really good that I'm a huge fan of personally as a journalist myself is mm -hmm. that, and a content creator, is that they found a formula that works really, really well for them and gave them identity. And mm -hmm. they just roll with that every time they replicate that for almost every video, if not every video. And they know that that's what's worked for them. People really like it and they continue with it. Yeah. So now they're going to branch off to do other stuff. Like I know that the most recent video, one of the most recent videos was, why do we see Galio picked all the time? That's something that you haven't seen as much. Previously, we saw videos like, oh, what's the MSI format look like? Mm -hmm. What is franchising? Just answering all these like, questions that like you know those lcs you know league pro overlords up there are talking about that oh yeah really have as much of an understanding of mm -hmm. that you know they kind of shine a light on so they kind of like that's how they're beginning to dabble whereas yahoo esports did the did it uh kind of the opposite where they kind of like tried everything first and then see what worked and what didn't but then maybe they were maybe they're spread too thin definitely definitely spread too thin so i guess a question for you is what do you think How do you think someone who's new or some new publication or some new place could succeed now? Starting full fresh, if they were to come in now, how do you think they would be able to grow and success be successful? If there's something I learned from the other talk shows that we've analyzed is that let the content speak for itself. And as a journalist, myself, and as someone who's spoken to other successful journalists that are in the field that have given me advice personally, letting your content speak for itself, speak for itself is huge. Um, because you're focusing on one thing, which is creating that piece, creating that video, creating that, that article. And if you, if, and it's really easy to fall into the trap of thinking that you can do a ton of things at once where you're multitasking and you're doing all these different things 
in general. That's not just for like y'all, how Yahoo Esports approach their content, but just in general, people think they, they overestimate their ability to multitask. And I think that for anyone that's going into something or, or in, in content creation in general, just kind of do what Yahoo Esports did initially, which is keep pumping out stuff. So you have stuff to work with, but then try to narrow your focus so you can get really good at something mm-hmm. and focus on that. Because then when you can identify what you're good at, what you're not good at, um, it's easier to identify what your competitive advantage is and why people will watch you. There is a really interesting team activity that I once did with, uh, with, some, with, a, with some friends uh, on a different team where we had a very long straw and the idea is that everyone on the team could only use one finger and we all had to lift it up. But we all had to lift it up at the same rate without any of our fingers leaving the straw. Hmm. But the exception to that activity was that each member of the activity would only have 30 seconds to speak and only one person could speak at a time and you had to go in a circle and you had a time limit. But what you're supposed to learn from that activity is that everyone's going to have a different idea of how to create something. Everyone's going to have a different idea of how to approach a problem. But something that a lot of people forget when working in a team setting is that even if you think that you have a better solution than your teammate, it's worthwhile considering how to improve your teammate's idea instead of telling them to scrap it completely and starting anew. Because when you invest resources into a, one specific idea and then try to draw out its strengths and then like work on its weaknesses and address them, you, you commit to one thing and you roll with it as opposed to just like, trying something, oh, it failed. Oh, I don't think it's going to work. And then like being really skeptical about it for everything and then never coming up with a solution. So kind of to answer your question and bring it all back together, um, I really think that it's worthwhile to commit to a narrower vision. Try to invest all that you can into it to identify what's good and what's not. Mm-hmm. And adjust those things as you go, as opposed to spreading yourself too thin the way I believe Yahoo Esports did. Um, I do think that it was too soon to cut it off completely because I do think that esports is still continuing to grow. And to me, it was pretty shocking that Yahoo Esports actually cut it out. But at the rate that they were going and with the results that they were putting out, maybe if they weren't making too many changes, failure was inevitable. Yeah. And then also, I think to add on to that, um, they need a very dynamic host or a dynamic person. Like a to, face to yes. Yahoo Esports. Yeah. Yes. Travis Gafford is not the face. He can be the background and he can do the things. Maybe he's very intelligent in regards to how everything should work. But he is not the dynamic um, host and the dynamic face to kind of create uh, entertaining shows. Or to, you know. So all that added up together. Sad that Yahoo Esports left because they did they did create some very interesting um very interesting uh content but they just picked too many things that other people did better and they they were more so a jack of all trades but a master of absolutely nothing you're a master of nothing most people don't watch you yep. that's why you see obviously the most popular streamers are the ones who are pretty good at league or professionals or you know um they watch them because they're good and they want to learn or they want to see you have to have a very dynamic personnel so or specific talent that you have so yeah overall everything added up yeah but stuff, with that yeah. being said i think that kind of wraps up our discussion on the whole Yahoo Esports fiasco, and we'll probably see what happens in the future as Oath, that company Oath, uh, moves forward. Mm-hmm. They may rejoin the esports scene at some point. They may not. Um, I, I do want to sympathize really quickly uh, with, or rather empathize with those that have just randomly been laid off because they were pursuing their their dreams in, in a career in esports, but it didn't work out. Um but like, I do hope that the entire Yahoo Esports staff continue to work in esports because I think mm-hmm. it's a phenomenal industry to work in. And I really hope that – I really do think that there should be more content creators as talented as what they were doing. Um, probably to, to the – probably not to the extent that 
most people would agree with in terms of how hardworking they were, but hopefully we'll see more of those names in the future. I do think that obviously, like everyone else says, they have the connections and they have they have the people. Um, and that's really all you need. Like you have, if as long as you have someone of the talent to do whatever you do, you just need the connections, and they have their ends already. So, yeah, in my opinion, they'll be they'll most likely be pretty perfectly fine. So I just watched uh, a little bit of what was it? Uh, it's Travis's new ta- league weekly recoded on his state of the league show, and Kelsey already found um, a position at ESPN. Um, I think Emily found some other positions at different two different publishing places. Um, Marksy obviously does his own thing already, so everyone is kind of rolling out and they're doing. And then obviously the back production side will probably be perfectly fine as well because did that for you know for so long yeah. here. So yeah. So that's going to wrap it up for our chat this week. Um, yeah, if you guys have any feedback, if we ever upload this, just drop it at the bottom. Thank uh, you for watching. Yeah, like, for watching. subscribe, um, comment. Let us know how everything went, if anything we can improve on. Sorry about the shitty quality of that. <laughs> the graphics, the overlay, DJ Talks. That was a very last minute thing. Let us but know. But if there's anything that we've learned, production doesn't matter. We're hoping the content speaks for <laughs> itself. But that's going to wrap it up. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you guys next time. See you guys next time.